Welcome to the Start Over Coder podcast. I am the Start Over Coder, and I'm taking you along on my quest, taking up a new career as a professional developer and pursuing financial independence. Today's podcast is all about building a web app from scratch with a group. This is largely based on my recent experience. If you've been listening for the past few episodes, you know that I just finished my first web app built from scratch. Um, and so I'm going to talk about that whole process of what we went through from coming up with the idea, choosing the tech stack, actually building and coding the app, um, what it's like to collaborate with a group, uh, both practically using version control and Git and GitHub and all of that but also functionally working with different personalities and you know what you can expect there. Uh, and also finishing the app, which I'll put in quotes uh, for reasons I'll explain later. So first of all, coming up with an idea for an app. I think this really is such an important part. You know, we have so many ideas kind of on the day to day of like, oh, I should build an app for this. And oh, why isn't there an app for that? But actually coming up with an idea for something that you plan to build, I think should be a little bit more uh, structured or more thoughtful than just this is a great idea uh, and then go for it. It helps to have at least one constraint when coming up with that idea if you don't have already some ideas that you are kicking around. So in our example for this app that we were building, we wanted to increase the ridership and awareness of local public transport. So having that kind of constraint or that goal in mind, we were able to brainstorm lots and lots of ideas. And because it was sort of specific, we could kind of think about, you know, okay, so I live in this city, what kind of app or what kind of program would I use? What would I actually get benefit from? Or if you make up another person, come up with a completely different persona and think about what they might want out of the app or what some pain points might be. You may have to do a little bit of research. We did in our case, um, looking up news articles and research that the local transit authority had done about you know, how people are using it, why they're stopping to use it, and what some of those pain points might be that people are experiencing that we can potentially solve with our app. And in this brainstorming process, literally everything goes on the list. So even if you think it's a terrible idea, it goes on the list. Even if it's a great idea, but seems really difficult to build technically, it goes on the list. And so it's just really starting with a really long list. And then you can, from there, research what it does actually take to do each idea. And I think that will help narrow it down. So this was the next step for us as well. So you kind of think about what are the elements that I'm going to need to bring this to fruition? Is there an API that I can link with or would want to link with that I can use for this app? If there is a big source of data or something that I want to integrate into the app, does it exist? <laughs> um, if it's an API that is definitely out there, like you say you want to integrate with Twitter or Instagram or something, are there rules around using that API and are there limits that might make it difficult for me to develop this app as kind of a test case? You know, some APIs will say you only get so many calls to their data uh, per day or per hour or whatever the time frame is. And if you're building it and you, you know, want to have some friends or a group of people test it, are you going to overrun those limits? Then are you going to have to, you know, pay? Is there an approval process? So there are all kinds of things to think about when it comes to APIs. The same goes for data. So if you need existing data 
is there a way to access it? If there's not, can you fake the data? So in our app that we were building, it was theoretically, we were kind of building it in the position of the transit authority. So as the transit authority, we would have access to users' rider data that they generate when they use their access card, you know, when they swipe in and out or swipe on when they get on a bus or whatever. So theoretically, if we are the transit authority, we have that data and we can use that data to do what our app's main functionality was to do, um, which was to basically gamify riding the metro and they could earn points the more they used it. So obviously in the real world, the transit authority is not just giving out the data of what their riders are doing. So is that something that we can fake? And that's basically what we had to do in our case. But that's definitely something to think about as you're going through the, your list of ideas. What kind of data would I need to fake or could I access to do this? And then also the tech stack is really important. And I think as kind of a first time app builder, this is really the hardest thing to work around or get your mind around because there are so many options. And if you don't have a lot of knowledge about how each one of those options works, then yeah, it's difficult to pick one. So as far as app types, there are considerations about like, is it going to be a single page app where all of the interactivity is being generated on the client side? Or are you going to do a more traditional uh, server rendered app where the user is sending data back and forth and then the server is processing that information and then sending pages back to the user. And then with each of those, and there are obviously other combinations as well and other options, with each of these, there's a different uh, method of deployment. There are different requirements that you might have, different frameworks that you can use. So all of these things have to be kind of thought about and researched. Thankfully for us in our workshop, we did have seminars kind of introducing some of these topics. So even though we didn't really have the experience, we were able to at least have an understanding of, you know, a very, very broad idea of what is possible. And then honestly, it was kind of like throwing darts, not entirely, but we kind of just picked one and then be decided to learn whatever it was, um, partially built on previous experience that we had, uh, but it also seemed to make sense for our app. And so now you've got this list, long list of ideas of apps that you could potentially build. You've got an idea of the different requirements that may be associated with each of those. And so now it's really push, picking one from the list. And for that, I would say to pick one that is just beyond what you feel comfortable doing. So obviously you want to learn something by doing this project. So pick something that will allow you to do that learning, but also isn't impossible and I, honestly, I would say that this is especially where research about the APIs will come in handy, because if your app is reliant on an API that you, through the course of doing it, find out is just massively cumbersome and difficult to use, then it makes the whole project, it can make the whole project really discouraging. A great example of that is uh, the Google API, the Google Maps API in particular, which some of the other groups in our workshop used. It's not so simple as one API that will access all of the functionality that Google Maps does when you go and use the actual Google Maps. It turns out that there are different APIs for each section. So if you want a distance between two places, that's one API. If you want traffic times, that's another API. 
if you want directions, that's another API. So there are lots of things that you kind of have to get to work together. And so doing that research ahead of time so that you know that before you go into it. And if you do decide to proceed, then at least you have that information ahead of time, I think is really, really important. So that is a key step in picking your project. And so as far as what we did, we followed these steps pretty much exactly. Each person in our group came up with a whole bunch of ideas and looked at how we would technically build each of them. And then we shared them. And then we just picked one that was uh, within the frame of an idea of what we each kind of had some familiarity with. But we would also learn quite a lot from doing it. And I talked about some of those learnings in previous episodes. Um, you heard all about my pain in episode 27, trying to figure out how to do a login feature using an Express app. So that's one example, but we, we learned quite a bit more. And for all of the things that I said about APIs, that's why in our case, we decided not to use an API on this one. We had a very short time limit for how long we had to create this app, and it just was we wanted to finish it, to be honest, by, by the end of the course, so we left APIs out. And I would say, too, that is another uh, key thing to do. I would definitely set a time limit on how long you want to work on this. Um, first of all, that's just a very real-world scenario that you will have a deadline, and it's good to be able to work towards those. But it also focuses you to work, you know, if not daily, at least a few times during the week on building this if you want to actually see some progress. So once we had decided on our app, the next step was choosing which frameworks, which technology to work with to actually build the app. And I kind of talked about already uh, some of the considerations to have when you are doing this. But again, I would just say that really the hardest part is if you don't have a lot of information already about how the frameworks work or, you know, even just how to write code for them. Obviously, there's lots of documentation out there and it's possible to learn. But if you're starting from zero, it takes a lot of learning before you can even start to build your app. So that's something to consider. And I can't even say how difficult this proved for us. So like I said, we so for our app, we built an express app. We chose Postgres as our database and then used SQLize as the ORM to kind of build the models and uh, add data to our database. So I had learned Express and kind of done that in the bootcamp course I was doing at the same time. If you want to hear more about that, you can listen to episode 29, which was released last week. But I had only done Express. And in that class, we did MongoDB, which is a non-relational database. Postgres is a relational database. So the kind of overall concept is a little bit different. And I had never used Postgres before. I had never used SQLize before. And so we had to learn all of this from scratch. And what we found, which was very frustrating, actually, is that this combination apparently isn't something that is so popular out there. So, you know, when I'm learning something new, I go to YouTube and watch tutorials about how people have done XYZ. Or if there are no good YouTube videos, then I will find some blog posts and people will usually explain, oh, I did uh, this, that, and the other, and this is how I did it. That did not really seem to exist for the combination of expressed 
Postgres and SQLize. There, we found lots of Express, MySQL, and SQLize. We found Express, Postgres, and some other ORM, um, but not exactly, really ever <laughs> exactly what we needed. And so this is where that kind of dartboard approach kind of bites you <laughs> because one person in my group had some knowledge and awareness of Postgres, but hadn't used it before. And the others of us had no knowledge whatsoever. So if you're in that position where there is no expertise on the group, it just gets to be really difficult and frustrating. So choosing the frameworks is definitely a key part of the process. And that's why I would just say, do as much, much, much research as you possibly can before you actually make this decision. But then after that comes the actual coding the app, building it and putting it together. And I would say this process, first of all, I really enjoyed it despite its frustrating moments, but this process is so, so different. I mean, it's probably, it goes without saying, but it's so different from following tutorials and just kind of coding along with things. When you're building something from scratch, there are things that you can't even anticipate coming up against, that you just have to figure out on your own and there will be no information on how to do it or at least you have to piece together lots of random pieces of information to figure out how to do something so we came up against that a lot and honestly that was the fun of it we learned so much by going through this process and just building it and figuring things out as we went along and i think that's really the key value in building something from scratch rather than following along with a tutorial now, I will say that when it comes to building it, we definitely benefited from having wireframes of what we were going to build ahead of time. So there are lots of programs to do this. Um, so Sketch is a good example of one where you can kind of literally sketch out what it's going to look like. Um, Envision and Origami are other examples of how you can actually see a mock-up of how the actual functionality and interaction with the app will work. Uh, so where when you press this button, this next page comes up. Not actually coded, but just a visual representation of this. But then there are definitely more basic ways to do this as well. So we used Google Slides and kind of made a flowchart. So when the user goes to the page, it has this information. And then when they click on this button, then this page with this other information comes up. And then what are the technical needs for that transaction for whatever the button they pushed was? Um, so we were just able to kind of visually map that out and see how it all worked. And then from there, build the app to that specification that we set ahead of time. But honestly, none of these tools are really that necessary. You can just do this with pen and paper, and it's definitely worth taking the time at a bare minimum to just kind of sketch out how pages are going to relate to each other, how buttons are going to work, what needs to happen when they're pushed, what the needs are of the user, you know, what they might come up against or what they may want to do if, as they're using your app. So having that framework is definitely helpful later when you're actually building it. And then when it comes to actually building out the pages, this is something that we didn't do, but I can recommend doing is to build the function first, make sure that, you know, the routes work, the pages go where they're supposed to, the buttons when they're clicked, you know, calculate whatever data they need to do, and then do the design on top of that afterwards. Because what I learned, and I'll kind of share an example of this later, is that, you know, having design in place it can have a way of limiting 
the code that you write. And so it's, I think, definitely better to have that functionality in place before actually putting design on top. And then another thing to do at the start of the project is to identify some key user questions. So what do they need to do to make the app quote work? And then at the end, you can go back and check, did I answer all of these questions? Can the user do this, that, and this thing that I said that they should do at the beginning? So those are just some tips. Obviously, there's a lot more involved in actually building the app, the writing of the code being a main part of that. But those are some things that I learned through the course of doing it that I think are just helpful to share. So then I think another big part of this, because this was a group project, is collaboration. So we used Git or well, we used Git for version control and we used GitHub for sharing all of our code amongst our group. So in episode 14 of this podcast, I discussed the basics of Git and GitHub, which are definitely key to know if you're going to be working with a a group using these tools. Um, So go back and listen to that episode if you want to know more about that. It's at startovercoder.com slash 014. And after you have those basics, now I can say this uh, quite firmly is that using GitHub for collaboration is a whole other skill on top of the basics. And one that I think is really good. So one key tip about that, I would just say is that make sure that everybody's working on different code. The way, the great thing about how version control works is you have your master branch, which theoretically should always have working code on there that, you know, if you push it, the thing will do what it's supposed to do. And then from there, each person working on the project can make their own branch based on the master and then add a new feature or fix something or what have you. So that means that people can work on different parts of the app at the same time because they're working on different branches. And then it's just a matter of merging those branches together, which can be difficult. But for the most part, we actually didn't have too hard of a time with this. But it just makes it so easy to all work on the same code base, but work on different parts of it. So the tip there is, you know, don't have two people working on the same thing. So if you, for example, need to build a login function, having two people work on that, you're just going to get lots of merge conflicts. And that is painful. We did go through that process a small handful of times. So avoiding that, I think is just super key. Another great thing about using GitHub is that it's got some project management tools kind of built into it. So in a repo, you can add issues, which are basically just kind of like little comments of things that need to be fixed or need to be worked on or added to a project. You can assign those issues to different people on your team. And then as code is written and added in, you can create pull requests, which is just asking the other people to review the code that you've written and then use that to add comments or, you know, make suggestions about different ways to write not necessarily write the code, but different things that may need to be accomplished that the code isn't already accomplishing. And so all of this is built into GitHub. And then they've also got a projects feature, which allows you to take all of these issues and kind of put them into different buckets. So we had a bucket of, you know, if there's time, we'll do this. Then we had a bucket of, 
what needs to be done urgently. And then there was what everybody was working on now. And then once code was finished or in code review, we'd have a bucket for in code review. And then once code was finished, we'd move it into the finished bucket and close the issue. So it really did help, you know, tracking the project, making sure that we got everything done that we needed to within the time that we had. And this, I think, is super important as far as working with the group goes to set up everyone's expectations of how this is going to work at the beginning. So we did kind of have some times where one person would write code, create a pull request and ask everyone else to look at it. And then it would just sit there for a whole week. And when you're working on a four week or five week project, sitting for a week is actually really detrimental to the project. So we, I think, could have set that expectation or at least our process up a little bit better at the beginning. So that's something that I would definitely recommend uh, for other group projects and something that I will do in future group projects. But aside from the practical collaboration, there's definitely, you know, the people element as well. People have different uh, ways of working, ways of communicating. And so this is something, this is my first experience working with a group in a coding context. So I am glad to have done it and I definitely learned a lot from it. And I think the main thing that I would say, and, you know, maybe this isn't always possible or maybe it feels a bit awkward to kind of initiate this conversation, but it is so, so important to get everybody on the same page at the start of the project. So, you know, what are everyone's goals? Why are they doing this? That can tell you a lot about how much they're going to dedicate themselves and how much effort they're going to put in about writing the code. Um, how much time do they have available? What skills are they bringing to the project? And, you know, what can we maybe rely on them for? But then also f as a whole group, what are our weak areas? What are we going to need help with? Also, I think a really important question is what each person would like to learn through doing the project. You know, what do they want to get out of it? And for this, I think honesty is just so important here. So in our group, for example, we did, we had this little conversation at the start and we were all gung-ho and, you know, really getting into it. And through the course of it, we all did work, you know, we all got it done. And at the end, we're very happy with the results to where we were able to get it in the time that we had. But then afterwards, one of our group members came out and said, I really hate web development and I just, I know now that I don't like doing it, which yes, is a very valuable thing to learn, but I don't think that's a completely new sentiment that came up in the time that we were doing this project. And so, you know, having that knowledge ahead of time definitely could have helped me see why in some cases, you know, this person wasn't writing as much or wasn't contributing as much to the actual code that we were writing. Um, so yeah, getting all of that stuff out in the open in an honest way up front, I think will really make the whole process, the whole experience a lot better because you're not wondering to yourself, why is this person doing that? Or why aren't they looking at my code? Or why are they able, you know, whatever all those questions are, it makes it a lot easier to deal with them or just not have them at all. And that's a perfect example that no matter what you do up front, it can get hard. So like, you know, when there is a deadline, when you've got to present something to people in 24 hours or whatever, things get stressful and people react to stress differently. We definitely had some little snapping sessions and some accusing, well, I can't write the code because of how you wrote the design. That's what I was kind of mentioning earlier. And that's just obviously not productive. It's not going to get anything fixed or finished. 
But um, just knowing that that's possible in advance, you don't really know how people are going to react to stress until you're actually in that situation is something to be aware of so it doesn't, you know, kind of smack you in the face. And again, I think having those goals kind of uh, voiced by everyone at the start helps get past these issues where, you know, if people start snapping at each other or whatever, in the end, we can all say, okay, this is really frustrating, but we want to do this. You want to learn this. I want to learn that. Let's figure out how we can do it. And ultimately, that is going to lead to a much more enjoyable experience. And then finally, another thing that I think is so important is to teach each other. So we may each work on different parts of the app, but that doesn't mean I don't want to know. And actually, I really do want to know how the part that you know my teammate has written works as well. And maybe they can show that to me. I think this is a little bit on yourself, on myself, you know, my responsibility to read their code and ask questions. Definitely don't wait to be kind of told because, you know, being in that position, it can feel a little bit weird to take on the teacher role all of a sudden. And, you know, you don't really know what the other person already knows. So you don't want to be condescending or you know, assume they know something or don't know something that the opposite is true. So read each other's code, ask questions. And then I think that's a great way to learn about, you know, what other people know and get their experiences and get solutions to other problems that you might have. So then when it comes to actually finishing the app, this is definitely a loose term finishing because Honestly, you know, no app is really ever finished, right? Things will always change. Things can always be improved. And so I think the key, especially for a first time app, is really just working on that minimum viable product and getting that out the door. A minimum viable product is a common term in development where it's really just, you know, I need it to do this. I'd like it to look like this, but just getting something that works done. And so that was our goal in the short time frame that we had for this project. In that minimum viable product, you've got all of those user questions that you identified at the beginning addressed. So they're all accounted for in your code You've got that kind of basic workflow that you had in the wireframe. It's all working. It all comes together. There are no kind of like dead pages or stalling data calls or anything like that. And so once you've got that MVP in place, deploying it is the thing to do and getting it out there in the public. And this can actually take a little bit of work, um, especially if you're using a database, getting the database from your local machine set up onto a live server for us took a little bit more than I was expecting, to be honest. But I would say for deployment that Heroku really is the best bet just as far as how easy it is, even though there are some things that you'll have to figure out. But then also the value. You can have, I think it's five projects for free on Heroku. You can have certain databases for free and it's just a you know good sandbox to play around in. Once you've got something published, it's definitely a good idea to do some user testing. So send your live link to some friends, ask them to sign up for the page, ask them to, you know, go through the whatever the main functionality of the app is and get some feedback because they may discover things that because you're so in the thick of it, you just didn't notice that, oh, there's no back button on this page and they get stuck, you know, deep inside the app or whatever things that are definitely able to be addressed before you actually consider the project finished or presentable to a group if that's what you're going to do. 
But then after that, once you've got your MVP and it's deployed and you've got it out there and people can see it, uh, you've got it on your portfolio page so that you know people can see what you've worked on, then I think it's going back to those issues and the project management tools in GitHub or whatever you're using really and create issues for the next things that you'd like to do because like I said, no app is really ever finished. There's always more that can be done or something to be improved. And so you can use those tools to keep working on it. So that was my overall experience of building my very first web app from scratch. It was a lot of work. There was a lot of frustration, but in the end, I'm so glad for the experience. And it's definitely taught me that you know, I can do it. I can start with nothing and build something that works and is presentable to other people. And that's a great thing to see and a great thing to be able to talk about with other people if you're looking for jobs or even just, you know, talk about how, what you're doing so that you can find out maybe new ways of doing things. So if you would like to leave a comment about this, if you've built an app or have some other tips that I maybe didn't mention here, you can leave a comment just beneath this episode at startovercoder.com. There will be a link directly to this episode in the show notes. Or of course, you can tweet me at startovercoder. And if you like what you hear and want to stay with me on this journey of learning to code, starting a new career, and pursuing financial independence, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Do it through your favorite podcast app or visit startovercoder.com slash subscribe. That's all for this time. Signing off.